earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. We're up to session 14, and we've devoted significant time in our current series to scrutinizing some well-known Bible passages, thinking they mean one thing when we read them, yet discovering that in their context, they actually reveal something different or something deeper. And if you missed any sessions or want to catch up, just go to faithtalk1360.com, search for local program podcasts, and then scroll to a word from the word. Friends, throughout these teaching sessions, I've been reinforcing a truth keyed to our present series, Oh, That First Means That, and Peter has been my guide. In his first letter, he reminds his readers of truths he already taught them. Reminders do help us, don't they? So here's my reminder. The Bible has a story to tell us, doesn't it? In fact, it's crying out, screaming out to tell us its story. But sadly, many times we preachers, teachers, and pastors, as well as Christians in general, make, even force, or manipulate the Bible to tell our story. Whether we do this knowingly or unknowingly, I'm still going to say, shame on us. Today's session 14 is called, Hallow or Hollow Pursuits. And we'll delve into a familiar and beloved portion of Scripture, Philippians three twelve through 14 You know it well, friends, and you've probably heard it in a sermon or a Bible study. So let's get right to it. One common way we've heard these verses is, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'd like to share a lesser-known but yet accurate translation, the International Standard Version, the ISV, which says, It's not that I've already reached this goal or have already become perfect, and we'll unpack this word later, but I keep pursuing it, hoping somehow to embrace it just as I have been embraced by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I don't consider myself to have embraced it yet, but this one thing I do... Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I keep pursuing the goal for the prize of God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Now, friends, those who know me well know that I'm a Star Trek aficionado, and especially the Star Trek Next Generation TV series. In this series, there's an episode called Hollow Pursuits. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with the Star Trek world, holograms have evolved into holodecks. 
That is, one can go into a room and a computer will turn that room into any live scene from any time in history, the goal being to provide the crew and the ship's population with recreational activities to pursue. And for variety, one can place himself or herself into any time period and into any activity or story true or rooted in novels, sort of like an even more futuristic version of virtual reality. Naturally, friends, this episode titled Hollow Pursuits is a play on words. For the Starship Enterprise and its crew, Hollow Pursuits, H-O-L-O, are not Hollow Pursuits, H-O-L-L-O-W. They are legitimate outlets for recreation and challenge both the mind and the body. Friends, this got me thinking about our COVID and post-COVID world. We're two plus years in the making. As Christ followers, it's a healthy exercise to periodically reevaluate our pursuits. In other words, which pursuits are truly pursuits in the spirit and which pursuits might be labeled pursuits in the flesh. Sometimes I think that God built pursuing into our human DNA when he created us. After all, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has placed eternity in the human heart. Perhaps this is where pursuing meaning, significance, and what the future holds have their origin. Even our American founders had in mind the freedom of human pursuits. On July 4, 1776, an important document gave meaning and significance to the future aims and governance of our fledgling new country. In our Declaration of Independence, we read, All men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It sure seems that it'd be beneficial to pursue and discover what the Bible has to say about our pursuits. In the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament, two particular individuals stand out to me, Joseph and Moses. The period in Joseph's life that deserves attention is his success and effectiveness in Egypt, as well as that scrape he got into with Potiphar's wife. This incident is recorded in Genesis 39, the key portion being verses 1 through 21, and the key verses being verses 6 through 9. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. It came about that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife." Here it comes, friends. Listen up. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? Whoa! Did you hear pursuit there, friends? Not the word, but the mindset of Joseph. It becomes obvious just what Joseph's personal pursuits really are. He's steadfast and immovable in his thinking, isn't he? After all, the story continues with Potiphar's wife badgering him over and over to lie with her. But Joseph remains steadfast. Friends, Joseph is an example for us of being steadfast in our pursuits at our time in history. 
What are the things and who are the people we should be pursuing who are being impacted by what's going on in our world, both medically and politically, even economically? Now, friends, regarding Moses, I find it particularly interesting what is said about him in the New Testament book of Hebrews, a statement that does not even appear in the original Exodus story. Hebrews eleven twenty four through 27 say, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill-treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Messiah greater riches than the treasures of Egypt." For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Did you hear pursuit there, friends? Again, not the word, but the mindset of Moses. Like Joseph, Moses was also steadfast in his thinking, wasn't he? I observed that the primary connection between Joseph and Moses is their tenacity to stand firm and not give in to or succumb to the passing pleasures of sin. And what caused them to stand fast was their unyielding pursuit of God and his will and plan for their lives. Imagine, friends, if what was said about Joseph and Moses was said about us. Let's read between the lines of these impactful statements about these two men and take these truths into our lives and live this way, right here, right now, in the messy political and economic world we're living in. Do we have our spiritual antenna up? Are we looking around to see how the Spirit might want to use us in the lives of others who are hurting or searching? Are we letting our light shine before people or becoming good Samaritans to those around us? Personally, friends, it seems that nowhere is the theme of our pursuits in life more powerfully expressed than in our text for today, Philippians three twelve through 14 but its truths are tethered to the few verses before them. Beginning at verse 7, we read, Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ." And in verse 10 says that I may know him, Jesus the Messiah, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Friends, think about this. The fact that Paul goes on to mention in verses 12 through 14, our key verses for today, the words it and perfect should alert us to the contextual conversation regarding the future resurrection perfection that we'll finally have. So many sincere Christians read into the word perfect and focus on the fact that we cannot be humanly perfect in this life. But human perfection is not Paul's focus. Resurrection perfection is. And verses 12 through 14 testify of Paul's pursuit and what he is pressing on to. Paul's pursuit is clearly spoken of here. One thing I do forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, 
I press on. Here's our Greek word, pursuit. In other words, I pursue the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And let me just pause here, friends, because the meanings behind this word pursue are awesome as well as convicting. The range of meanings of this verb, this incredible action word, are to chase after, hunt down. In this culture, the word pictures a hunter pursuing a catch, pursuing to overtake and acquire it. The meanings continue to press forward with zealousness, even to the point of persecuting, persecuting earnestly, pursuing zealously. It's so interesting, friends, that of the 45 uses of this word in our New Testament, 22 are translated persecute. Recall the incident in Acts 9, which records Paul's conversion experience when personally confronted by the resurrected Jesus? You remember the story? So I'll just read Jesus' words to Paul in verse 4. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? There's our word. Friends, our English translations make a valiant effort to communicate what is being said in Philippians three twelve through 14. But there are times we just have to dig a little deeper. Put on our inspector's cap, pull out our pocket magnifying glass, and extract a deeper meaning to help us see what is being said to us as Christ followers, what Paul is urging us on to become. In Bible lingo, friends, pressing on is a pursuit, and one that, at its heart, is a passionate endeavor. In classical Greek literature and life, this word also pictures an animal pursuing its prey, like a hound dog on the trail of a fox, pursuing it all day long. The significance for us, friends, is that it's a lifelong pursuit. In other words, where to press on, run or chase after, seek after, even go so far as to persecute, but in the good sense of being passionate, relentless, and full of zeal. And our pursuit must include earnestness and diligence with the goal of obtaining or acquiring what we pursue. And so, friends, Philippians three twelve through 14, while outlining our personal pursuit, is a stepping stone to realizing our corporate pursuit as the body of Christ. In verses 7 through 14, count how many times Paul uses the word I. He clarifies what his personal pursuit is, doesn't he? Well, I propose that the parallel passage to Philippians 3 is Hebrews 10, 22 through 25. As a community in Christ, in other words, as a local church, a local fellowship of believers, we must be aware of our corporate pursuits. So, friends, Hebrews 10, 20 through 25 say, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Notice the repetition of us and our in these four verses. In verse 24, the phrase, let us consider, is by far not a wishy-washy sentiment expressed. You know, 
Let's please consider this. No, consider in the original Greek text means to contemplate, look closely, even be observant. And the phrase spur one another on in the NIV or to stimulate is the NAS is a very strong word. In this instance, the King James translators correctly chose the English word provoke. In other words, provoke one another to love and good deeds. Friends, what a clarion call this is on what we are to be doing for each other. We owe this to each other in the body of Christ to be observant for ways we can provoke or spur one another on to love and good deeds. And tucked away in this phrase, good deeds, is our broadcasting of the gospel message, letting our light shine, as Jesus said, so that others may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. So, brothers and sisters, as a church body, this is our mandate. This is our corporate pursuit. And it's particularly disheartening to me, friends, when I observe so many Christians and see them as goalless Christians. They're not pressing on toward or pursuing the upward call we saw in Philippians 3. A plain reading of Scripture reveals that God has goals for us to set and live out. But sadly, two extremes are prevalent in the church today. One, God does everything and we do nothing. And two, we do everything. In other words, God starts us off and then we take it from there. However, my friends, a careful reading of Scripture informs us that the mystery of the Christian life is revealed as a divine human cooperation with the goal of becoming Christ-like. In Romans 8.29, Paul reiterates this when he declares, We are predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son. This divine human cooperation is again seen in Paul's declaration in Colossians 1.29. Read it, friends, for here Paul makes it clear that he labors, but it's according to God's power. And his word choice of striving is a word in the New Testament Greek from where we get our English word, agonize. Therefore, friends, everything we do in Christ and in his service is done through God's grace and power made available and afforded to us by Christ through the Holy Spirit. And this protects us against guilt trips, especially for those who are particularly self-conscious. After all, there's a variety of personalities and temperaments in the body of Christ, right? For some of us, when we hear the emphasis on the human dimension of the Christian life, like striving or pursuing, we immediately tend to feel guilty. Oh no, another thing I have to do? Or we say that this smacks of works. We may even think back to a New Year's resolution we made that is now defunct. Maybe we started out well, but we've lost our steam and we're destined for a repeat the next year around. How easy is it, friends, for us to forget the divine dimension? So this is worth repeating. Everything we do is through God's grace and power made available and afforded to us by Christ through the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Earlier I mentioned the goal of Christ-likeness. This goal is actually manifested by many pursuits that occur over time in our Christian walk, as we are instructed by the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and His various ordained teachers in the body of Christ. So let's just take a brief look at two of these. First, the pursuit of wisdom. Proverbs 4, 1 through 17 instruct us to acquire or get wisdom. This getting or acquiring carries with it the understanding of gaining, owning, and even buying if necessary, as well as recovering it if it's lost. And interestingly, friends, the pursuit of wisdom is ultimately the pursuit of Christ, per 1 Corinthians one thirty. Second, the pursuit of love. 1 Corinthians 14.1 specifically commands us in the body of Christ to pursue love. Just like wisdom, the pursuit of love is ultimately the pursuit of Christ. Per 2 Corinthians 5.14, where we're reminded that it is the love of Christ that controls us. But let's make sure we qualify this kind of love. We're not left on our own to define it. Jesus is our ultimate example. We are to follow in his steps, according to 1 Peter 2. Dr. Ralph Earl, a well-known and respected theologian whom I had the privilege to meet, remarked about biblical love this way, We do not find love by wishful thinking or by half-hearted effort. We have to pursue it eagerly every day if we're going to find it operating in our lives as it should. We must ask the Holy Spirit, who makes us perfect in love, to help us express that love to others constantly in a Christ-like way. When we make love our lifelong pursuit, we discover that our capacity for loving those around us grows with the years. Friends, Scripture admonishes us to take stock of our pursuits. The reason is, knowledge only provides us with opportunities to pursue, but wisdom helps us sort out our pursuits and determine or discern whether they are hollow pursuits, H-O-L-L-O-W, or hallowed pursuits, H-A-L-L-O-W-E-D. And what a time we're living in! What a time to be reevaluating our pursuits and being certain we're in the center of God's will. C.S. Lewis once made this fitting comment that will help us wind down today's session and give us pause to ponder its meaning. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians that did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. Friends, did you hear pursuit tucked in between these lines? Not the word pursuit, but the mindset, the concept. When we Christ followers become keenly conscious of what our pursuits in life should be, we'll become what C.S. Lewis said, Christians that did most for the present world because we thought most of the next. Well, friends, to help us in our Bible study session, I'm going to suggest a handful of scripture passages that will motivate us to pursue the things that God cares about pursuing. Perhaps one or more will tug at your own heart and serve as a scriptural basis for discerning your own pursuits or revamping them as the Holy Spirit tends to do. Psalm 34:14, which Peter quotes in 1 Peter 3:11, seek peace and pursue it. Proverbs 15:9, 
God loves those who pursue righteousness, which echoes Matthew 6.33. 1 Timothy 6.11, pursue righteousness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Romans 14.19, pursue peace and mutual edification. Hebrews 12.14, pursue peace and holiness. And Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Friends, wake up every day eager to dig. Each day is to be filled to the brim with God's love and presence, and yet still yearn for more. Essentially, we're to commit ourselves, our entire life, to the pursuit of knowing him. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program, which will close with an email where you may write me with your feedback. One listener wrote in about part 12, train up a child with, just listen to Proverbs 22.6. That was interesting. What a perfect example of a scripture that is so often misunderstood. It just goes to show what good research will turn up. Good job. I wonder how many parents are in mental hospitals because of their guilt over this proverb. Well, thanks for that honest feedback. And remember, friends, A Word from the Word is a listener-supported program, so kindly consider financially helping to keep this program on the air during these challenging times. Just email me for the details. Well, thanks for listening today, friends, and remember... Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com.